And welcome to this one-on-one here on Teal Town USA. I am Eric Curra, and pleased to be joined by a good friend of mine and the Sharks radio play-by-play voice, Dan Ruzanowski. Dan, good to see you. Hi, Eric. How, how have you been during this whole quarantine process? Well, I've been great, actually, but uh, of course, obviously a little bit stir-crazy because we can't do what we love, but uh, I think that that's uh, hopefully seeing some signs of coming to an end now. Although for the Sharks, it's going to be a little while before there's another hockey game played. But I think that uh, we're all looking forward to resuming uh, the NHL this year when it ever happens and also getting together at the start of training camp for next year. Can't wait. <laughs> I can't wait for, for the, the this new 24 team format to go. And, and then, of course, definitely getting back to the Shark Tank uh, later this year would be uh, wonderful. Um, but let's begin with this season that has passed. Uh, the 2019-20 season for the Sharks has officially come to a close. It was a tough year, but uh, what are the bright spots that fans can look forward, uh, look back at for 2021? Well, I was looking, uh, in fact, I was just talking to one of the bright spots today, Mario Ferraro, who I think had a really nice uh, rookie campaign. He was one of the guys that the Sharks were counting on to step up and be ready for the NHL. I think he showed that uh, he had as seamless a transition as I've seen from college hockey to the NHL that the Sharks have ever had. Joe Pavelski probably being uh, another candidate for that. But even he spent a little bit of time in the American Hockey League at the early stage of his career. So uh, you could say that uh, that Ferraro has one up on Joe for that, only on a small <laughs> basis. But still, you have to be impressed with that. And uh, I think that, that was one of the things to be excited about. Another, the the captaincy of Logan Couture, how he's uh, done a really good job of being a leader of the team. It took him a little while. That C was a little bit heavy at the start of the year, not because uh, it was anything that he wasn't ready for, just because of the sheer responsibility of it all. And I, I think that the Sharks showed at least that they have the, the building blocks to be a great team for a number of seasons. It just didn't work out last year. And I think that that's something that they're going to be uh, top of mind on when it comes to being motivated to start for training camp and getting ready. And uh, the good news is that the extended time will allow them to train, to heal properly from some of the tough injuries. Uh, we talked to Tomas Hurdle this morning, too, and he mentioned that uh, the progress on, on his surgeries are, have gone really well. So he expects to be ready to go at the start of the year. And same thing with Eric Carlson, although his injury wasn't quite as serious as Hurdle's, still a very tough one when you've got a thumb injury and you're, you know your skill is handling the puck. Yeah, it, hopefully with the extended time off that the Sharks will enjoy, they will get everybody well-rested and healthy, ready to go. So when uh, the puck does drop uh, for the, well, I guess it's the 30th anniversary season, uh, they'll be 100% and ready to go. Yeah, 30 years. Amazing, isn't it, Eric? <laughs> it was, uh, seemed like it was yesterday when it was all just starting and uh, the team was playing in the Cow Palace, and the SAP Center was uh, just a hole in the ground being constructed. All of those things just sort of flood back as I consider the op- uh, options of 30 years with Sharks hockey. It's it's crazy to think 30 years. Oh, my goodness. Uh, well, you've done a few podcasts with the Sharks alumni in the 1991 club. Uh, from all of those, and I, I remember you had Tamu Solani and Ray Whitney, one of my favorites, among others. Uh, what are some stories that you've been able to hear from former Sharks on? 
Well, one of the unanimous things that I've been getting is just how proud all of these guys are to really be Sharks alumni. And that really warms my heart. Uh, the idea that Ray Whitney began his career in the NHL here really had most of his success with other teams. Uh, he first became a 30-goal scorer with Florida, won the Stanley Cup in Carolina, and uh, you know played for his hometown Edmonton Oilers for a while, played in Detroit for the Red Wings, Columbus, forget about those years, but uh, <laughs> and of course in, in Arizona, where he's living these days as he's working with the NHL. But now, that's just one example. Um, Jeff Odgers had a great chat with him about his times with San Jose. And it's just great to reconnect with all of these guys. But the thing, as I said, that jumps out at me, Eric, is, is how proud they are of the Sharks, uh, how proud they are to be part of the organization, and how that term Sharks for life really does resonate with them. And I think that that's great. And you always you always hear, even though, like like you said, with Whitney, who bounced around the league, uh, and the same with Odgers, but they're always there's always that little synonymous with the sharks, so it's great to hear that they that they revert back to some of their days in San Jose. Um, well, sure, and you know even even Tamu Solani, who's admittedly much more identified with the Anaheim Ducks than he is with the Sharks, he spoke very very favorably about the the time that he spent with the Sharks and had some fun times and uh, some heartbreaking times in the playoffs, but uh, some great moments on the ice and. Uh, so even for a player that that is identified more with another team, uh, the thoughts about the Sharks are great. And, you know, I, I haven't talked to him yet in this series, but Igor Larionov would probably be another one like that because he's more associated now with the Red Wings, even though he was such a huge part of the Sharks beating the Red Wings that oh. very first season. So um, I know that all these guys feel that way about the team. And again, as I said, it warms my heart. Yeah, I, I will never ever ever forget that 1994 Warren it was just so magical uh just seeing everybody in a sea of teal in San Jose was just amazing um but speaking of stories where it all started yeah no and that's where the I think the major love affair came in you had the cow palace for a few years and everybody fell in love but then when they came to San Jose it just blossoms big time uh, speaking of stories, you, you mentioned in your book, If These Walls Could Talk, that you wrote with uh, Ross McCune. Uh, there are many stories, and, and just going through, just trigger back so many memories. What were the... Just happened to have, just so happened to have a copy of it right here. <laughs> if anybody wants to get it on Amazon, they're still definitely available, and it's a fun read, I De hope. Definitely. I highly recommend it. It, it was just, just triggered back so many memories. But what were your highlights putting the putting the book together? And are there any are there any stories behind the scenes that you could possibly share? Well, I, Ross McCune and I used to talk at nine o'clock every night for a couple of months. Well, not every night, but five nights a week anyway, uh, where we would go over some of the things we were working on together. And and uh, he focused on a few little items, and I focused on some others, and then. Uh, uh, we put it all together. That was a really fun process. I think the best part of it was uh, realizing how many things we had forgotten. Uh, and that's that's the other thing. You remember pieces of it, and then you the other person talks about uh, their memories of it, and then you recall something that happened. Oh, yeah, I, I, I forgot about that. Uh, probably a good example of that uh, occurred when, uh, when the Sharks beat the Red Wings. We really didn't know exactly where we were going to go after the game was over. And we had checked out of the hotel already. We wound up at a motel at the airport waiting to see which way the team was going to fly 
because the problem was is that they were dependent on the end of the Vancouver Calgary game. That was another game seven that was played that night. And that one went into multiple overtimes. I remember it as a triple overtime and Pavel Bure got the game winner for Vancouver. Right. Yeah. So we were sitting around, uh, there was a pool table. I remember that really well. <laughs> and the guys were playing pool, just uh, waiting for all this to happen. We had some sandwiches delivered for the guys. It was really kind of a chaotic situation because we couldn't go back to the hotel because we had checked out and they'd already booked it for some other event in Detroit. And I got a funny feeling that nobody in Detroit was would have been too happy to see us uh, anyway. So <laughs> here we were sitting there waiting to, to go. And, and the thought was, well, if Calgary wins, we turn left and go to Calgary. And if, if Vancouver wins, we turn right and go to Toronto. It's going to be an interesting round number two. And the game just kept dragging on and on and on. We finally uh, got the, the news that Pavel Bury had scored that goal. So that meant we were turning right and going to Toronto. By that time, it was so late that we just got rooms at the motel and stayed over and, and woke up the next morning at the airport and went out to the plane and flew into uh, into Toronto, into that maelstrom. But, oh, yeah. uh, you know, there there were a couple of other stories surrounding that, that 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 came up that were just fun memories. And, you know, even a crazy thing like this, where the Sharks were part of a couple of canceled games that were regularly scheduled. Now, you get that in Major League Baseball when you have a rainout. But hockey, we had a snow out, which is amazing. It was in Vancouver. We were flying from oh, Calgary yeah. to Vancouver. And uh, they told us that they were going to close the airport. We had to decide right then whether we were going to go or not. And uh, Al Sims, the coach of the team at the time, said, let's go. We're going to go there, and they're going to find a way to play the game. I've been through this before. Well, uh, we were the last plane allowed to be land to land in uh, Vancouver. And I remember that the next day was another memory that just sort of came back that uh, uh, that somebody was skiing up Robson Street, which is a, oh, a wow. real major street in Toronto mm -hmm. in, in Vancouver. And uh, people were cross country skiing that day. There was absolutely <laughs> nowhere to get food, nothing. So the game got canceled. We ended up uh, waiting until we could fly out and then flying home. Um, you know, there was another one like that, too, where uh, we had a. It was the day that, that Dean Lombardi was replaced by Doug Wilson. Actually, that didn't happen the same day, but the day that Dean was uh, dismissed as the GM of the Sharks, we were flying to Colorado, and we were on our way, and we had to land in Colorado Springs because the airports were closed. Mm -hmm. And we had a, you know, usually it takes, I don't know, what, 90 minutes to go from Colorado Springs to, uh, to Denver, uh, if you had to do that, and it took us over three hours, and it was uh, one of the bumpiest rides I've ever been on, kind of uh, dangerous, but that's another one of the little travel stories that I that I remembered when we were just sort of composing all of this, and uh, you know, little things like that that happen. You know, Craig Cox losing all of his money in a poker game during a flight delay, <laughs> um, going going out to Hartford that very first long road trip. Uh, Paul Fenton actually passing out. It's kind of interesting because he's had some health problems in recent years I had, and uh, they were traceable to uh, an irregularity in his heartbeat uh, electronically. And I'm always wondering that maybe that was the first sign of it. And they examined him. Nothing was wrong. But uh, little things like that you remember. And, uh, you know, that with some some sad memories, too. You know, so many over the course of the years, we've lost a couple of members of our team uh, due to death over the course of the last 30 years. And uh, I remember, um, you know, when Mike Coleman, who played for the Sharks at the Cow Palace, was killed in a car crash uh, in Kansas City. 
that was a terrible day. And it just so happened, Ray Whitney told me the other day in our conversation that uh, that was the same day that Dean Lombardi was in San Diego signing him to an NHL contract. So it was kind of a bittersweet day because mm. of all of the terrible. Oh, you know what? I got that wrong. It wasn't Mike Coleman. It was when Link Gates got into his car crash the same day he signed Ray Whitney. But I remember things like that that happened over the course of time. And see how it all kind of melds together? Well, uh, you always remember those folks, too, that, that are no longer with us. And, of course, we remember them dearly. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, and there's just so many memories, you know, good times, rough times. And uh, I'll, I'll never forget the 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 rain out in 1995 uh, in, in downtown San Jose. Uh, that was the flood out, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Where it flooded around the arena. And it was, I, if I'm not mistaken, it's still like the only rain out in NHL history, if I'm not mistaken. It's the only one that I know of. Yeah. I can tell you that we've, you know, uh, uh, if you go to Henry's High Life, which many Sharks fans do, there's still a marker at the high point of the water. And if you go there and look at it, you'll, you'll be amazed at how high that water actually got. Uh, I'm amazed it didn't get a lot worse. I know that in Calgary they had flooding and it, it actually uh, did some damage to the Saddle Dome. But I don't recall if, they, if there were any NHL games that were scheduled that were canceled. I don't think that was the case because I think it was preseason. Yeah. But, uh, you know, but that's that's the only other time I can remember something like that happening. It, it's it's crazy. <laughs> it, it, I don't think Guadalupe River was was uh, as it was today to to handle that for sure. But remember, remember, the Army Corps of Engineers hadn't finished their project. Right. And so it, it used to flood every year. And, you know, it was worse some years than the others back in the old days but uh, the army corps was working on rediverting that and making it so that it is the way it is now which is more flood controlled so we're not going to have that situation again uh, at least according to the way that they've engineered it but uh but boy that was uh, that was some time yeah that was it, it was just crazy i was like they playing inside how can we not play hot but you know it, it's one of those crazy uh weather stories that that that's in sharks uh, folklore for uh, forever. Forever. Yeah. Uh, so I've also been enjoying and I've been loving this the the classic radio broadcasts uh, that we've had on during the NHL pause. Uh, it had been years since I heard the first game when you called uh, the first ever Sharks game in Pacific Coliseum against the Vancouver Canucks on October fourth, nineteen ninety one. Take me back to that day, which for you, I mean. The dream became real to become an NHL broadcaster. Well, that's exactly what it was. It was a, uh, it's a day I'll never forget. Uh, it was uh, kind of like walking on on air all day, which is so exciting. Uh, not just for me personally, but for the team. It was the first game in the history of a brand new franchise in the National Hockey League, and here we were in a great city in Canada. So there was a lot of attention on what was going on. The game was not televised to the Bay Area, and part of the reason for that was uh, they were doing 55 games, a package of that number of games uh, that season. And now I know that many people that are used to having every game on TV, uh, it wasn't like that back in the old days. Right. So uh, they decided that it was more important and maybe a little more cost-effective to actually televise the next night, which was also against Vancouver at the Cow Palace, because that represented the first game in the NHL, played in the Bay Area since 1976. 
So I think that the thinking was to televise that and have the whole spectacle of all of the opening night ceremonies and everything else that happened. And of course, having it be in the Bay Area. So what that meant was that the first game in Sharks history would only be broadcast on the radio to the Bay Area, which I'm particularly proud of. So that's one of the reasons why Dennis Hull was definitely with me, because the way that it worked back then is that there was a color commentator that worked with the television announcer, Joe Starkey. And then I would get a color commentator uh, when uh, when that uh, wasn't the case and when it was a radio only game. So I got uh, I got Dennis for 25 games and Joe got him or Randy Hahn, who did some of the games right. that year for the rest. And the interesting thing is I haven't we haven't aired this one yet because I've got to make sure I've got the uh, the complete tape. But the first game at the Cal Palace, Randy actually did color commentary with me because, uh, again, Dennis Hall moved over to TV Randy was in town, and uh, so uh, his first actual appearance for Sharks broadcast was with me that very second night, and I, I was listening to part of the game that I had, and uh, I forgot that there was actually a broken pane of glass, and it was a, a, a brief timeout uh, to wait to find the new pane of glass, and I remember that happened to me a couple times in my career, but I had forgotten that it happened the first night at the Cow Palace, and the only reason why I remember it now is because it was on tape. Wow. A couple of things there that Randy makes the Sharks debut on the radio with you. And then, mm-hmm. you know, I, I do remember that. I do remember that opening night and how I think it was like it was a photography hole that kind of got shattered in that glass. And that's what that was, causing, right. the, was causing the issue for it. So, yeah. Though, oh, man, you're, you're, you're bringing back so many great memories from the Cow Palace. I was uh, I was fortunate to go to just two games when I was just a wee little tykester, but I was listening. I had my little red Sony Walkman listening to, I think it was KNEW at the time. That's right. Um, AM 910. Yep. And, Frequencies and... there, the radio station. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's Dif- darn different, sure. different, different programming these days. Yes, definitely. Back then their, their theme was fun sharks and great country music. That was, that was a good memory. Tom Benner did the mornings. Uh, Frank Terry did the middays, and Bill Collins did the afternoons. That was always fun to listen to all that. There were fun times, even then when you jumped over to KFRC. That's where you guys picked up the Sharks who picked up Joe Ike as the PA announcer. And, and it, it, just flashbacks going through my through my mind right now. Um, I got to ask, do you, uh, what's is there one game that always sticks in your mind as – as like that's one of the greatest or if not the greatest i mean there's a lot to choose from now in nearly 30 seasons there are but i think that there's one that's eclipsed them all and you know what that one is that's game seven against vegas that'll never be repeated again as long as i live uh, in the way that it happened Um, to me that was one of the most incredible experiences i've ever had to be part of that and to call that game for the for the listeners but uh, there's so many others. The first game was obviously a big one. Uh, uh, Jonas Donskoy scoring in overtime in the, in the Stanley Cup final. Actually, in many respects, the game in Pittsburgh, game five, was even more remarkable because Martin Jones was amazing in the Nets. The Sharks absolutely had to have the victory there and got it in game uh, number five. And it was under pretty adverse circumstances in that uh, the entire city of Pittsburgh seemed to be outside the building. Yes. They had big screens set up and everything else. Uh, you know, as is the case in the Stanley Cup final, we had a police escort to go into the building and out just uh, to make sure the traffic was controlled. And that was kind of cool. But uh, 
realistically, that's another big one. And, you know, game seven against Calgary in 95, we just replayed that one on our uh, Classic Sharks broadcast on the stream. Ray Whitney getting the double overtime goal. And as I mentioned in our conversation with him for the 91 club, uh, you know, he, as an Edmonton native, uh, feels that that's one of the high points of his <laughs> career because of how many people in Edmonton said you never had to buy a drink in town again after that one because you <laughs> did covers. something against Calgary. That's so, just so funny. You know, a little thing like that. We used to see uh, that rivalry play out in so many different ways. One way would be you'd pick up a, a copy of the Calgary Sun newspaper tabloid and you'd open up a story and it would be a story with an Edmonton dateline. So the Calgary Sun would have an Edmonton dateline, and it was always a terrible story, like murder, death, robbery, rape, whatever. And then they would put another story right next to it with a Calgary dateline that was nice and warm and sunny. Well, then you go to Edmonton and pick up an Edmonton Sun, and it was exactly the opposite. All the Edmonton stories were really good next to a Calgary one that was terrible. It was really something. So the, so the Battle of Alberta, just, just it goes beyond Oilers and Flames, heck, even, I guess, Eskimos and Stampeders. Uh, even the newspapers get into it. That's crazy. Well, well, here's another story for you. So uh, when they were cleaning up the Saddle Dome after those flood problems we were talking about, I was listening uh, to a couple of guys that worked in the building talking about it. And, uh, you know, the, the old story uh, is that in Calgary, that's where the corporate headquarters are, right? So it's a kind of a corporate town, a little more white collar. And in Edmonton, uh, even though there's certainly some of that uh, it's a, a lot of like blue collar oil guys. Right. Right. So they were sitting there talking about it. And uh, uh, these, this one gentleman was saying uh, something to the effect of, well, we know where all the real work gets done. And he was talking about, you know, cleaning up the saddle dome. And I leaned in and I said, you mean Edmonton? There was this silence and they were staring at me for five seconds. So it, it definitely, definitely goes beyond the hockey. Team. I, I think the the hockey rivalry is a re- reflection of, of of life and you know we see that in in other respects too when you talk about the beat la chance that we have at sap center right. it, it's bigger than just the sharks against the kings or the giants against the dodgers or the a's against the um against the angels it's it's a, it's a regional rivalry which makes it fun makes it exciting and and i think that accentuating some of those differences and, and building up the rivalry makes uh, makes it even more worthwhile yeah, no, it, it makes it makes it fun. I mean, as long as we don't get too crazy about it, uh, it, it makes it fun uh, for sure. Um, switching over to, I guess, the virtual side of things uh, on the uh, one of the last big road trips of the of the season, uh, you, you did the uh, virtual road trip uh, where the game was just exclusively on on the app or uh, or online. Um, what was your take from it? Uh, and do we kind of see a little bit more of this down the road? You'll probably see uh, <clears throat> some additional things like that. I mean, we're seeing a reflection of it now with the historic broadcast that we're streaming out. That That's a good way to get additional content out to our so many fans around the world and to do that in a way that it's easily accessible. Right. Um, it's not the exact same as terrestrial radio, and there's always a place for that, in my opinion, too. But uh, but it, it was really quite an experience. And I think one of the things that we were able to do was to get some of the additional content, have some extended pregames and extended postgames uh, nice. in the instances where we weren't traveling and to experiment with that a little bit and to see 
um, how traffic came to the app and 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 exactly what that was able to accomplish. And I think that I think it was a pretty worthwhile experiment. It's something that that we're going to continue to do, and certainly to supplement everything that we're doing on normal radio and television. I think it's a, it was a pretty interesting experience. Yeah. No, I I think it went really well. Uh, although at the same time, I'm like. I am always looking forward to to a radio broadcast with when I'm definitely not near a television, but uh, like to hear hear you call games. And uh, well, finally, there's one happening uh, when we uh, we record this. There's a virtual game day tonight. How has it been uh, to call a virtual game? Uh, what is the process to call it, and is it and how much does it differ from calling a live hockey game? Well, it's definitely different because they're not real people. Uh, <laughs> and in fact, I'm, I'm, I'm actually calling the names of some fans that are participating. And, and the game that you're referencing, uh, depending on when people hear this, we're, as we're recording this, this will be tonight, a virtual game between Sharks alumni and fans and the Quebec Nordiques alumni. That oh, one's nice. going to be cool. And so it's interesting, first of all, to see some of the great players that played for the other teams over the course of time. We did a game against Detroit. And here I am calling Alex Del Vecchio's name for the Detroit Red Wings. And he played there for 25 years, but retired when I was pretty young. So um, it was interesting to see that. Gordy Howe scored a goal, you know, that kind of a thing. So it, it gave me the sort of opportunity to recreate some of those uh, great games that I remember seeing some of these guys play. But uh, also, it was it's a great way to interact with the fan base. And I think it, it keeps everybody's spirits up. We've done some live interviews after games, and, and that's been fun with the, the fans that are participating. So that was great to hear a little bit more about them and how they got hooked in with the Sharks, but also to find out that how many fans there are around the world. They're from everywhere. And I think that that's what's really neat to, to do that experience. It is definitely different because it's, uh, again, a game that's not featuring live players. It's featuring fans that are involved. And you just sort of have to uh, prepare for it in a, in a similar way to the game in, in, in terms of identifying people and how to do that as quickly as possible. But uh, it was it's fun. The main thing for me is I need to hear the crowd. I need to get a sense of that. So what I did was I had a recording of the game as I was calling it. In other words, it didn't. I wasn't calling it as it was being generated by the computer. The game was already done, okay. and then I was able to do that. And I, you know, the crowd had reaction. I had that in my in my earphones, so I was able to sort of play off of that. And uh, you know, Dustin Lamondola and the entire uh, digital team do such a great job of of uh, piecing all of that together. But I would just do it right here at a quiet spot at at my house and send it off and. We edited it all together, and away we went. And I, it's been it's been fun. It's been a good experience, and I really have enjoyed the uh, the interactions too that we've had. So many uh, from so many different people around the world who really are enjoying that. It's definitely not the NHL. It's not the real San Jose Sharks, but it's been a, it's been a fun process. It, it's absolutely been fun, uh, you know, and to hear you call games uh, in May during during when. With no, I don't want to say real hockey going on, but to to hear that it's it it's always grateful, and and I'm especially grateful for for everything you've done uh, with us and on Teal Town, and and uh, personally, you know, I think we go back to days of when I would 
instant message you on AOL instant messenger. So uh, I, I appreciate everything you've done for the sharks. So uh, thank you, Dan Ruzanowski for this. I appreciate it. And uh, can't wait to uh, get back to the tank and uh, hear your voice during some hockey games very soon. I couldn't agree with you more, Eric. Thanks a lot for all that you guys uh, do out there for us. Uh, great uh, job with the show and uh, everybody that's uh, watching or listening. We look forward to having Sharks hockey come back better than ever for 2021. And that's going to be the story. When it starts, we'll find out soon, but maybe not soon, but hopefully <laughs> sooner than later. And all in all, I can say uh, keep a positive attitude. Keep smiling. Thanks a lot for listening to our historic broadcast and for taking part in the virtual games and, and all of the other activities we've got planned. Uh, it's It's been a, a great process. And Let's not forget about the fact we can use this time to make sure that we uh, spend time with our families and express our love for them and, and understanding. And I think that we're all going to be better for it. So I'm looking forward to that, looking forward to the resumption of the season. We've got a couple of Sharks, Brendan Dillon in Washington, uh, Barkley Goodrow in Tampa Bay, and Patrick Marlowe in Pittsburgh that have a chance to maybe win a Stanley Cup this year. And I know that uh, the guys on the Sharks that aren't playing are rooting for those guys to do well. And so that'll be interesting as well. So uh, there's a lot to look forward to, and I'm, I'm looking, uh, really looking forward to uh, the upcoming season with Sharks hockey. Yeah, it's the former Shark, I, I, I think, at least, well, now that it's 24 teams, uh, I think, uh, what, a third uh, have Sharks ties to it at least. So, uh, right, well, well, sure, sure. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see which, which one probably raises the cup. So, but again, Dan, thank you so much. Appreciate it. Thanks, Eric.